Hello and welcome to the Sacred Remembering Podcast, the place for modern women who are waking up to the truth of who they are, with me as your host, Sarah Poet. Now, if the word sacred is throwing you a little bit, that's okay. Have you had that moment as a modern woman where you went, wait, I left something of myself back there along the way? Well, if so, then you're already on a path of sacred remembering and you're actually in the right place. We know that modern women are rising, but we don't do it by fighting. We do it by remembering who we are and standing in that truth. And here in this space, we remember together through stories and tools and curiosity. And in doing so, we bring forward the place of women in our modern world. Now let's begin. Hello and welcome back to the Sacred Remembering Podcast. If this is your first time here, I am so glad that we have found one another. You are so welcome. Um, I haven't talked about it in a while, but the Sacred Remembering Podcast is really about stories of the sacred and remembering the sacred within each one of us because so often as women in this culture, but in the patriarchy across the world, we are cut off from the sacred truth that resides in us, that we are born with. We are often cut off from that very early. Um, And, you know, it's there for us to remember. And so this is why this podcast is called Sacred Remembering, because in the truth that resides in our soul, in the deepest parts of us, in that, um, you know, central architecture, as I like to say, that truth cannot be broken. It can't be taken. It can be a little bit wounded. It can be, um, you know, fucked with. (laughs) It can be tamped down. We can be really confused about how others' um, approval and others' criticism affects our truth. But ultimately, it's always there to be remembered. And I really, really want to empower you with this truth. It is in there to be remembered. And that's what we're doing here. We're sharing stories on that remembering. I really love this conversation today with Brooke McNamara, because she tells us about the stories of what she knew about herself as a young person, as a creator, as a writer, as a dancer. And, you know, she had the courage to listen to that inner voice and let those truths guide her, even though she was afraid. So thank you, Brooke, for being here today. And I look forward to getting to the interview in just a moment. One of the other things that really arises from this beautiful conversation with this artist and creator, Brooke McNamara, is the need for community at this time. And you're going to hear that right in the beginning of 
our conversation, she shares deeply and authentically, and it pulls me as, you know, the woman in the, I'll say, shared space of the interview. Like, we created a little community for this interview, right? And then her sharing deeply and authentically pulled me into self-reflection and um, deeper self-awareness and, you know, and, and the invitation to be more vulnerable. And that right there is such medicine of these times. Um, you know, spirit or my soul or that, that great voice uh, said to me a few months ago, you know, it's really time to do the majority of your work in community. And I know that as women, we are really culturally taught to be very independent. We're taught to get it right ourselves. We're taught to create, you know, and produce from um, from our own reserves. And that can really lead to a lot of depletion and, you know, a sense of hustle, a sense of hustle. And I know that we are all familiar with that. But when we're in community, something else happens, we get to create differently. Like I said, we get to be more vulnerable. Um, We get to see that we're not the only one who is going through this process of sacred remembering. So it is my, you know, hope that I continue to provide um, that really, really valuable community space and that you all will want to be a part of it. Brooke McNamara, our guest today, is also providing community spaces for women. So really find that community that really speaks to you and get involved, you know, and, and let yourself be vulnerable. Um, I'm hosting community calls through the end of 2020 every other Thursday. You can register at sarahpoet.com backslash book. And some women come to these calls and are just not ready to speak yet. They want to be in a listening role. And other women come to these calls and really want to share and have space held for them. And they really want advice. And wherever you are on your journey, this is a really wonderful place to step in and just experiment. You know, we have a lot of old preconceived notions about what happens with women. A lot of women have a lot of mistrust with other women, um, but we're also consciously breaking that down now. And it was all a farce because women coming together um, is one of the, if not the most uh, powerful and co-creative and um, manifesting powers on the planet. Um, you know, women really hold those seeds of creation and we're really coming into a wisdom about how we are going to create a new world and it's going to happen through women and women together, not women hustling, you know, like not, not women hustling with the world on their backs, but women together. So I'm really just, um, 
You know, it's mid-October as I record this, and the day that this podcast comes out, actually, the Structure and Flow women's group that's all about time and energy and our recalibration with how we relate to time and energy expenditure and really bringing that back into a personal choice point with more sovereignty, we start that group. Uh, very soon. And I'm really, really honored to be walking with the women that said yes to that group. Uh, The Sacred Truth Mastermind is going right now, and the community calls are going. And I know that in 2021, there will be um, many more group activities, whether you're ready to join in at the community call level, or, you know, I think there's going to be a, a women's voice um, concentration. And so, you know, go to sarahpoet.com and hop on my mailing list so you get the information about the programs that are coming out. Um, I do have an announcement that this podcast is going to take a little break. We're going to take a little break. Um, we mark one year at the very beginning of December, the first week of December is our one year anniversary. I say our because I've been doing this labor of love, but our voices, there are 56 guests, you know, plus bonus episodes. I think there were around 60 episodes uh, for year one, and it's been incredible in these first two seasons. And we're going to finish out season two and then we will be back um i will be back at probably the end of january that's what my intuition is telling me right now the end of january 2021 and um I will be back talking uh, more boldly, even more boldly about women and voice and women and leadership and women and money and the feminine and masculine. And we are going to talk about God and the sacred and women in the church and uh, like the recreation and retemplatization of, of what's going on on the planet. So, Head over to sarahpoet.com. Please uh, add yourself to the mailing list and I will send you love notes and I will send you updates. And um, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for your kind reviews, your encouragement, your sharing, um, your uplifting of women's voices and stories. And now I would like to introduce to you Ms. Brooke McNamara. Today's guest, Brooke McNamara, MFA, is a poet, dance theater artist, Zen Dharma holder, and teacher. She has published two books of poems, Bury the Seed in 2020 and Feed Your Vow in 2015. For her poetry, she is the recipient of the Charles B. Palmer Prize from the Academy of American Poets. Brooke has taught at Naropa University in Yoga Studies and at the University of Colorado Boulder in Dance. And she is the co-director with Lauren Bale of the Unice Embodiment, an organization that offers cutting-edge performances, embodiment education, and creative practice workshops and retreats. Brooke is the creator and instructor of the online courses Right to the Heart of Motherhood, which we talk about today, Summoning the Unseen, a course called Cultivate Creative Practice with 
collaboration with Lauren Bale, and Women's Ritual of Renewal in collaboration with Lisa Gibson. Brooke lives with her husband, Rob, and their two wild, adorable sons, London and Orion. Thanks for being here, Brooke. Hi, Brooke. Welcome to the Sacred Remembering Podcast. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. It's so great to have you here. Uh, I'm really, really enthusiastic about this conversation with, with a creator such as yourself. So I thought that I would start by asking you what is alive in your world right now? Oh, gosh, so much. You know, it's such a, it's such a rich and genuinely challenging and genuinely exciting time probably for everyone and, and certainly for me um, in this exact moment, what's, what's most alive is, is um, actually just feeling honestly really heartbroken. Like I just woke up feeling um, pretty tender for our country, especially and for our world. And I have two young boys and um, navigating, you know, what's coming, what I just feel coming from the future feels, most days it feels really exciting, actually. It feels like fuel for um, cur- developing deeper courage and creativity and connection. And I do feel that, but I also feel like my heart is heavy today. Mm. Um, and I don't, think that's a problem at all i just feel really connected to um you know i guess the the suffering and the worry and the tenderness out there um so i'm actually really happy to be in conversation with with you in this way because i know for me that when you know when i'm feeling this way when i'm in this place um a certain amount of solitude and going inward alone is, is great medicine, but usually even more so connect like honest, real connection and creative practice are, and nature are, um, you know, really the antidote. And also there's a lot of creativity possible right where I am. So I, I'm just grateful that, we're here together, you know. Thank you. Me too. And thank you for sharing honestly and authentically to start. And I love actually that you're naming the tenderness of these times because, well, honestly, it supports me in conversation with women to hear that because I think I am tending toward not letting myself go there or not going there. You know, I'm just like, there's work to be done. There's, you know, women need space and community. And so I'm, I'm sort of like, I have this leadership hat on or something like that. But then, you know, there are these tender, specifically tied to motherhood, like you're saying spots for me. And so you opening the conversation that way allows me to be more human um, and allows our listeners to, hopefully accept further accept the full range of their own authentic experience as well. Um, I'm definitely hearing from a lot of women 
the amount of overwhelm um, potential these days that's really connected to what you're saying. Like, I, how do we help? How are my children going to grow grow up in this? And what kind of world are they going to grow up in? And it's just so overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's a lot of unknown. So maybe um, I would love to hear what you're referring to as far as the creative outlets and, you know, how do you take care of yourself? Not to just quick fix it. You know, I, I don't hear that's what you're saying at all, but I specifically want to say that for listeners, like yeah. we're not trying to just like get it to go away, but yeah. you know, how, how do you navigate this mm-hmm. as a creator? Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's this, it's honestly just this, it's the center of my being since I was a little girl, I um, was just compelled in a really deep and kind of, you know, funnily mysterious way. When I was two, I think I walked up to my mom standing on my toes and rolling my stomach. And I was like, I'm a Bowena. <laughs> and, um, and I just remember meaning it so seriously. I was serious. Like, you know, if, if there's past lives, I think I was a dancer probably, or I don't know where it came from, but it's just deep in my cells to, to move experience, um, artfully, soulfully, intuitively. And for many, many, many years, that was a performance career. Um, and that, that heightened space of, of audience witness and performer is, is a very charged and sacred and, potent place to be. And so that was always like a really natural um, place for me to like compost experience and, Mm. and like metabolize reality and my life. And it's like in that charged space of performance, I could feel myself both dissolving and being recreated. I mean, it was always just a really full experience. And obviously now performance isn't happening in these times of pandemic. And it's also been more challenging to perform since I became a mom seven years ago. My creative partner is also a mom. So we navigate that together. We're both very committed to continuing to make performance art work, uh, dance theater work, as well as um, teach creative practice. And this has become at least as central to us, if not more in these pandemic times, we're teaching online a creative practice called cultivate. Um, And so since I'm not performing, that's the space where she and I really unpack what we do when we're in creative process. That's so incredibly fun. It's so ridiculously fun. There's so much humor. There's so much, wildness there's so much play and crossing of boundaries that we normally observe (laughs) for the sake Mm -hmm. of safety and um you know just functionality i feel like in creative practice we get to tiptoe or just like run past those boundaries Mm -hmm. And, um, and then of course you know it's not just fun and funny and and playful that play sometimes turns really deep and there's often really profound expansive or you know tearful territories in creative practice too but for me that's just 
where I have to go, whether it's with my partner, Lauren, making performance work or being teaching communities about creative practice. Or for me, I also have been a writer since I was a little girl. It was another thing that popped up really, really naturally. And I just was like, this is how I am. I could feel as a little girl that like, this is how I'm going to be able to navigate this big, scary, overwhelming world (laughs) is through um, finding my deep voice and my true voice and, um, you know, whether that's through movement or through poetry and however that's evolved over the decades, it's just still true. It's where when I'm feeling this way, like, wow, really overwhelmed and scared by the political state and social state of our country and, and environmental state. Like, um, I just have to go to a place that's like in my heart and in my imagination and in my body, that's right at the threshold where um, the manifest and the unmanifest are just kind of coexisting. And I can feel that things are alive in a potential way, ideas and inspiration and possible new forms are hovering right there at the unmanifest in the unmanifest as the unmanifest. I mean, they're right here. It's all right here. Mm -hmm. But I usually find when I get scared, I'm only paying attention to what is in form Mm -hmm. and I have no, well, I don't have as much capacity to collaborate with what's already in form, but I find a lot of capacity to collaborate with what's coming into form through me or to participate really fully in what's leaving form in me. I can really play and grieve if I stay right here. And then I feel more courageous and less scared. When I'm scared, my attention's usually really far out from this moment and and this precise place where my heart is. Mm. Thank you so much. I have about 20 questions that arose just from, from all of that. <laughs> I didn't realize I just, that was a lot. <laughs> no, it is so good. And at, so what's arising for me right now, and this is like me personally, and I'm also holding this space for, you know, the audience as well. Yes. Um, but, you know, we talk a lot on this podcast and it's been my personal experience that while that depth of knowing might be there. The, I love what you said about courage. Like there's the courage to touch it. Then there's the courage to really deeply interact with it. Then there's another courage to express it. And so what's, what I'm in awe of right now is like from the time you were little, there was this knowing in you that like, I'm going to take these really deep things and I'm going to express them. (laughs) (laughs) So many is difficult. It's, you know, and so I'm wondering if we could maybe bridge a little bit more of that conversation about that courage Mm -hmm. or actually also like how to touch the depth, Mm -hmm. how to touch the depth and then how to be with that courage to express it. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, wow, it's so ironic too, that I, that I 
was compelled in those ways as a little girl, because what I didn't say is that I was a really scared Uh. and shy little girl. I remember so palpably, um, you know, and I, I grew up with a lot of privilege and, and blessing, you know, just, I had a loving family and, and I'm like in a white body and I grew up in San Diego, like the list goes on and on how, mm-hmm. you know, great my life was. And I'm so grateful, but also just subjectively in my soul, there was, there was, and I'm using past tense because I honestly can feel like a, a completely significant difference. Now I can remember how scared I was and I can feel how I still, of course, encounter fear. But um, I think that, let me answer, let me, let me start to try to answer your question. So it's around like how to touch those deep places and then how to discover the courage to express them. Right. Which is just a huge question. But yeah, it's a beautiful <laughs> question. It's like, you know, it makes me think of, you know, I've practiced in the Zen tradition for 10 years now. And there's a, there's a story. I can never remember which teacher it was, but a student came and asked a question and he's like, well, I could give the master, the master was like, I could answer your question for you, but I would be taking away your life. Mm. So it's, it's like one of those, what you're asking is such a beautiful, like life koan or life inquiry. And it's, it's genuinely like, that's the story of my life is those questions. Um, yeah. Because I think I never wanted anything more than to touch the deep. And then I think once I was able to touch the deep, then it was like, okay, the surface is also beautiful. The surface is not separate from the deep. And, and in art making, I want to, to include the surface and, and the, even the, um, you know, the, shallows you know in a way where it's multi-dimensional and and not uh like I just appreciate art that's funny and can be really superficial and then the next moment be so profound and I just love that um kind of range I appreciate that range in writing and in performance and in comedy and and in my relationships and so but for a long time you know like in my I'd say my teens and my twenties for sure. It was like, how do I get as, how do I touch the deep? And I think, I think that is, that's a spiritual question or that's like an, uh, that's a, an existential or a being question. So, so I think that my answer is that it wasn't until I had a conscious, I think I've always been compelled by, deep questions of being, but it wasn't until I had a conscious spiritual practice that closed the gap in that seeking of like, I want to touch the deepest thing in myself and then finding teachers that, you know, kind of lovingly turned me back on my own self so so that I actually did and do and now it's like oh it was always right here it is always right here and it's so easy to forget that the the deepest thing is this it's you know it's this computer and it's you and us and um my my heartbreak this morning it's nothing other than this moment and yet like that just was so not 
clear to me for so long. And I think that's where all the fear came from. Um, the kind of persistent, um, um, unreconcilable fear. And, and, um, so the courage to express it though, I don't know. I feel like that there's a certain audacity and brazenness and, um, the poet David White, I've heard him say that as an artist or as a poet, I'm, I'm, these aren't his exact words, but he said something about how um, we have to find a certain kind, and this is a really edgy word, but he says we have to find a certain kind of entitlement and not like white privilege entitlement or anything like that, but a certain kind of, I would say like it's our birthright and it's our almost like our, well, for a lot of people that I know that, that I'm in relationship with. And for me, it's one of the um, deepest callings is to, is to just say what's really true and express it artfully. Um, So that's really what all my work, regardless of how it looks in detail, the undercurrent, the underbelly, the source of it all is around, realizing our deepest nature together and and then expressing that artfully in a way that's um you know artfully not like perfect or pretty but in a way that embraces our uniqueness and our flaws and our wounds and our gifts but that's like really celebrates our diverse unique um particularities and and idiosyncrasies so how do we touch our oneness or interconnectedness always. And then how do we express that through our unique vehicles? Um, Right. Yeah. There's more I could say, but I'll pause because that was was (laughs) probably enough for her now. (laughs) No, there's just, there's so much um, beauty and depth in everything you're saying. And, you know, I'm sitting here um, holding space as interviewer and also like receiving so much medicine <laughs> what you're saying. Oh, good. Um, and I know that so many women listening also just walk this line. I'm like, well, how can I give myself, you know, full permission to own the truths that are inside of me and, and really touch them. You know, I had this experience, um, I don't know, a little over a week ago where, because I'll, I'll write a lot and I'll say a lot and I quest for truth and I have this podcast and, and, um, you know, someone was like, Oh, wow. You still get scared. And I was like, well, I'm scared all the time. What makes you, (laughs) you know? And then I was like, Oh gosh, I should tell more stories about when I was really, really scared (laughs) and like not, not using it, but it, it is this, quest that is lifelong and um the the craving of the depth i definitely resonate with that i'm wondering okay so part, this is in part my experience overlaid but you know we live in this busy world and it's increasingly digital and to our point at the beginning of the conversation there's more unrest and potentially more fear Mm-hmm. And so, you know, how do you advocate that women cultivate the, not only the ability to feel the depth, but 
but like actually letting themselves go there. And, and so, you know, we're talking like modern women with families, mm-hmm. you know, with, with real, I guess, real, I was going to say real fears as real as fear can be, but like with, with things at the forefront, you know, where I feel like we are at a risk right now of those worries and fears taking the precedence or, or we're allowing them to take precedence over cultivating this depth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I just, I want to make sure that you got to finish what you were saying. Yeah, I didn't really pose a question, but I'm just kind of, this is what I'm thinking about. It's like, how do we cultivate that depth and allow for the realness of, of all that is, mm-hmm. but it's like more important than ever to me that women are tapping into those truths. That's why I'm doing the work that I'm doing because I, I believe there's so much on the other side of this. If, and when women do make that choice, like mm-hmm. now, and, and then I, I could get really like big and soapboxy about that, but I don't want to, <laughs> I'm going to turn it over to you. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny because I can feel I can feel I'm feeling the scale of the question. Like it's a it's a big political question. I can feel how far out into the world there's ripples of that inquiry. And then I can also feel like right in my own being and and I'm just, you know, wow, I've spent decades meditating and benefiting from that. And I've spent decades doing creative practice and benefiting from that. I am so um, like equipped. I'm so lucky. I'm, I've worked so hard. I've played so hard, you know, and then what I'm feeling is yes. Like when I'm home all day with my kids and, and schooling them and then stepping aside to do my work, which requires a lot of concentration. And so it's really hard to do it in that context of, Mm being home with other people in the house and not having much of a, of a real threshold to cross between these different modes of me, Mm -hmm. I can feel how um, slippery it is. It's so easy for me to slip into fear, anxiety, overwhelm, speediness, like productivity addiction, you know, all of that. And so I think like when you were talking, what I was hearing in my mind was like community. Oh my God, mm-hmm. community and, and containers of practice. Like, um, and I will share what I'm offering and I, and I'm so, um, inviting of any of your listeners to come. And I'm also like, not saying it has to be mine, but I would just say whatever the community and container is, that's my personal, like, response is that where I am actually going deep consistently is where my teachers or mentors are holding, you know, obviously it's online right now. Mostly there's like one social distance retreat I've done in person, but otherwise it's possible for really great stuff to happen virtually. And, um, and that's where in the presence of others that I, trust and I'm inspired by, I will actually stop and go into my own soul and actually go get the 
gifts that I need there that are, you know, they're always right here, but with all the busyness and all of the um, potentially scary stuff, of course there's beautiful stuff happening too, but I just, right now I feel like, wow, in my lifetime, I haven't seen such unrest. Um, And so it's, you know, it's really like a knee jerk response in my attention to go there, um, Mm. attention to that. So, so yeah, it's where there's, community and and accountability and and mutuality like we're gonna do this together because it's like you were saying Sarah like it's it's actually never been more important it seems like it's kind of more challenging than ever to get deep and it's actually never been more important in in my opinion it's like a I've heard teachers saying you know, if you've been dabbling in spiritual practice, now is the time to shift from making it um, a hobby to a, we need people who are really um, practicing to the point where they can actually offer refuge at that soul level. And, And we need to give refuge to ourselves and that, you know, so it's not a time to be dabbling and, um, there are teachers and there are communities where we can go as deep as we, as we want to. And um, again, I'll pause there and just see what from that you might want to respond to. Mm, Yeah. Thank you. That's so beautiful. And I definitely want you to share those offers before, um, before we're finished here. And yeah, my intuition told me to move my work toward women's groups. Um, you know, during this time. So I let go of some couples practices. I made some online courses and I was like, you know, my, my actual energy, my actual, um, time needs to be going toward these communities. And that's what I'm hearing from women that is wanted and needed right now. So I love that you named that first as the place where, you're experiencing the depth where we can experience the depth. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just, that's so true. I just hadn't named it like that before. And I'm like, ah, oh, that's, that's correct. Because what I see too, is that it's a really important time. And this is a lot of my work for women to be giving themselves that permission to live in alignment with that sacred truth that is within them like the truth of who they are mm-hmm. um and in a lot of circumstances in the external world it would seem that that truth of who we are or they are is not fully welcome mm-hmm. um you know potentially especially as things are in chaos And so, you know, to, I know that many women are feeling the call right now to align with this depth of self, with this truth. And yet, you know, there's more isolation and um, like you were saying, like demands on time that's less, it's less easy these days to like segment (laughs) our lives like I think modern women we really had some we had figured out how to balance so much because we had like segmented 
our lives. Like from this hour to this hour, I'm doing, you know, I'm working while children are at school and that kind of thing. And, and now it's like, Oh, we need different ways. So we actually need women tapping into that depth, but we're also, it's like the end of the age of, of all of that separation, like figure it out yourself, do it. Your that individualism that was just so taxing on women's systems now to come together in groups, we're going to touch that depth, but we're also going to brainstorm like new ways mm-hmm. of doing these things and new ways of, you know, being in our creativity at the same time that we are managing more housework or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. There's like, uh, there's two, for me, I'm feeling t- two huge benefits to name from the the circles I'm either leading or um, held in online. And some of them are women and some of them are all genders, but um, yeah, it's like what, what, well, first I'll say there's, there's this one place where I can feel more than ever the dimensions of reality that I, I, I can feel that I have no control and that, the only sane response is surrender. And there's a lot of grief and a lot of um, (sighs) there's just a lot to feel. And that's a place where I need others. I need you, I need you people, (laughs) you know, like I will cry a little bit in the shower, but like I, to really touch surrender somehow, even if I'm just meditating with other people to know that we're enacting that, like it's both dignified and an act of letting go. So there's this like upright ascending quality of like, I'm here fully present. And there's this like complete letting go dissolution that I feel. And I, I can feel that in meditation, but uh, otherwise in, in like day-to-day interactions, I, it needs to be intentional for me, at least to actually touch that. Like, wow, things are changing. A lot is dying. I have faith in the unknown and I feel that there's realities and structures that are coming. This is my sense that are coming that I can't yet see or know what they are, but I have faith in something that's yet to be. And everything I've, not everything, a lot that I've known is dying right before my eyes. And to feel all of that at once and surrender to it, for me, I need community and I need to, to lean on people or to, to be with others as I sit upright in meditation. So there's that surrender. And then exactly what you said, like that's um, all my creative practice that I'm teaching and practicing, whether it's writing or movement or whatever, is about what you said. Like, what are the new ways or what are the old ways that we're going to that we're going to remember and reinvest in, you know, like our, uh, from our ancestors or from, you know, others that have been oppressed that have wiser ways, um, mm-hmm. indigenous ways, or, or what are the, how are we going to use our collective vision and our collective memory to 
find better ways to a survive. I mean, there's a lot of like, um, parts of me that are like, just what are the basic things I need to survive if things really collapse? And then also to thrive. Like I said, I have faith in the, in the inherent creativity of reality and of the human spirit. And so as, as hard and destructive and frankly ugly as a lot of human activity is, and I have to also find that in myself. I didn't want to just say it's out there. It's like I can find those ugly, destructive, violent parts in myself too. And as much as that's all true, it's, it's completely entangled with, it's unseparatable from our gifts and our creativity. And I just think we're stronger together when we both grieve and surrender together. And then when we make space for emergence and what, what, what else, what else is possible? And when we do that together, it's really moving to me. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What you, what you just said about faith in creativity um, gives me a lot to think about. The, the faith that something new can and will be created um, through us. Mm-hmm. It's really exciting. Yeah. And it sounds like you've been doing that all your life. I love that. So you are especially passionate about doing these things, the writing, the creativity, the community with, with mothers. Is that true? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's, there's classes I teach that are for non-mothers also, but I, I have one class that's just for moms or we say, or mothering beings. <laughs> mm, right. Good. Yes. <laughs> so many women are taking care of so much. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I would love to hear more about that passion and maybe that came online. I think I actually took a quote from your website. It says, because the demands of motherhood are so deep and wide and endless that I need the release of speaking my whole experience in order to stay well and inspired. And I think that that was, um, you have a, an offering for mothers and you're saying, you know what, when I became a mother, yeah, life got busier, but then it was like, I needed this outlet even mm-hmm. more so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. So, so that's, um, that's an online writing course I teach for moms called right to the heart of motherhood. And, um, I've taught it twice and we have another round coming up this November and December and where it was born from was, like I said, I, I had been compelled to write and dance my whole life and then majored in those in college. And then I, um, put most of my life force into a dance career in San Francisco in my twenties and put writing on hold and then, uh, moved to Boulder, went to grad school for dance and then, uh, met my husband and we got married and we got pregnant right away. And motherhood had always been like a really deep longing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was thrilled. And then what I didn't expect, I'm honestly still so surprised that this happened is, um, that, the birth of my first son was, was um, like, I would say my closest encounter with, with death in, in this life. Um, 
like I would say it was a psychological or psycho spiritual death. Like, like I know a lot of women have a sort of lighter and more blissful birth experience, but I also know a lot of women can probably relate to what I'm saying in some way who have given birth that, um, totally brought me to my knees. And I, I, you know, if I use sort of archetypal language, I feel like I had to, yeah, I had to, <laughs> I didn't want to, I, I had to go to an underworld. I mean, maybe I would say now that I'm grateful for it, but at the time I was like, fuck this <laughs> sucks. Um, but I, you know, it was, it was a really deep, dark place that I've never been to before or since, at least that I can remember consciously. And, um, and, and that's, I guess just where I needed to go to get my baby. And, um, and what it did was that a few months later when I was meditating, I had this, like, sometimes my intuition is like so clear. It's like, Hey Brooke, I'm not going to let you not hear this. Like it will come in language (laughs) form, like really prescriptive. Mm -hmm. And so I was meditating and it literally was like, hey, like, you need to start writing poems again. I hadn't really written poems for, like, 10 years since my Mm -hmm. college thesis. It was like, you need to write poems again. You have to get up early to do it. A book is coming. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, wow. It felt like my body and soul got so ripped open, honestly, giving birth, that this, like, fertile space was then present, that poems started to come through. And so what I found, it was, I I just, I followed that instruction that I got in meditation, even though it seemed, honestly, it seemed kind of crazy to me at the time because I had a newborn and I was like getting up at five to write, but it was so life-giving. It was so fun. It was so juicy. It was so sexy. Like it was such a romantic experience. And I'll um, qualify that by saying that you know, writing is not always that for me, but (laughs) I don't want to like sugarcoat what the writing process is, but that one was that it was like this ecstatic experience almost not every day, not every moment, but overall very full of flow. And it healed me from the trauma of that first birth experience I got to make so much meaning and make so much sense and cry a lot of tears and play and spend the time I needed making narrative and poetic meaning out of the wild experience of giving birth to another human not only giving birth but then having this being to tend to and the crazy love that comes with that like I was as undone by how in love I was with my son and am with my son by how terrifying it was to birth him and so all of that I just really needed to integrate it and so my aha was like gosh moms are so um busy and badass and you know like working so hard to tend their young ones I think that we have not only do we as moms and mothering beings need creative, creative outlet and creative community deeply, but also we have really amazing things to say. Like I had this hunch to do this idea. And then finally a year later 
it came to be through one of my mentors, Miriam Mason Martineau, who teaches um, parenting as a spiritual practice. So I collaborated with, with her and her organization to do Right to the Heart of Motherhood. And honestly, like the first class that we held live and women started to read, moms started to read what they'd written. And they were like, they were like, I wrote this in the middle of the night, you know, after feeding my baby, this just, I just jotted it down in the dark and they would read it and everyone would be in tears. Mm. (laughs) It's it's just like right there on the surface for, for moms. Like Mm. there's so many funny things that happen. There's so many fucking gorgeous moments that gets get missed because the next thing needs to be tended to but when when we have a container where we feel like we actually are supported to write it down even if we just literally jot it down it's already poetic because motherhood is poetic and Mm. so I'm really excited to lead that it's been a while I've been teaching other stuff but I'm really looking forward to being with moms again Mm, that sounds so beautiful um, is it for moms of children of all ages? Yeah, it's for moms of children of all ages. There, there's sometimes grandmothers or aunties. Like sometimes it's women who don't have their own children, but they feel like they have a mothering function. Or I've had a couple people who really want to be a mom and they want to take the course to write from from and toward that longing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I just um, want to name into this space too. We did a an episode of this podcast, I can't remember the number right now with Carolyn Paget, And she talked about the activation of the mother archetype through loss of her child. And so she's, she carries a mother archetype in the world, but her child passed. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I have a child who was adopted at birth. And so that was certainly an activation of motherhood as well. So I just, I love to name that into the space that, yes. you know, if you are a mother without a child, um, and then <laughs> you qualify as mother everywhere. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Maybe even more so. Right. Right. Well, that sounds really exciting. And so a book was born of that. Did you bring that book today? I, yeah, I actually don't have, I'm not living in my, um, actual home, but I, so I don't have a hard copy, but I have it right here on my computer that it was, um, it's called feed your vow. Mm. That book. Um, so I, yeah, and and a lot of a lot of the poems are not about motherhood, but a lot of them are like blatantly <laughs> about motherhood. I'm wondering if now would be a good time to read one of those that's about motherhood. Yes, I would love that. Thank you. Yeah, there's one. Okay, it's just going to take me a moment to find. There's one that I think would meet this moment really well. Ah, here it is. Okay. So um, this is actually the first, after I got that instruction during meditation, like, you need to get up early and start (laughs) writing poems. Mm. This was my first attempt. So I remember my son, London, was um, a little babe. And I was like, I'm going to just try to pull myself out of bed and 
you know, get a cup of coffee and see what comes out. So this one is called Interruption. I love to wake early and sip strong coffee and sit like a queen in the dark and ask my death to reach back and teach me so I can write down what I hear. If I listen with my whole spine, the currents of deep grief and wild arousal wash me to a more original body. So I sneak out of bed early this Christmas Eve and float to the kitchen to percolate in my husband's parents' home, past the blind dog sleeping in her crate, great-grandma's bedroom where little girl dreams dissolve even as they form translucently around her in the dark, dry morning air. I come back to our room triumphant with my mug, set up my cushion, and hear London, eight months old, pile of sleep squirming, snortling and milk hungry, my husband's hand on his heart to soothe. Backbending and flapping arms that thwack pillow and little protruding belly, stretch that furrows the brow and pooches the lips and makes a tiny tremble through the absurdly adorable body. And I'm called to my first purpose, to feed from my own body, to feel these rivers of simple service that destroy ideas of who I think I am, pull from my bones and pour into his little suckling lips. My desires are silent as I give up writing this morning and lay here instead, my hand petting his hair, everything for the moment effortless, awestruck, by death's teaching today. Mm, thank you so much. Yeah. <sighs> Is London now seven? He's six. As <laughs> mm. um, I, I love, I love being a mother to a son. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah so something arose but it sounded like you wanted to say something there oh I was just going to say now now I have two sons <laughs> yeah. lucky mama yeah super lucky yeah so I don't this might be my last question I don't want to go too far back into process after that beautiful piece, but you were told a book was coming and you were told to write. And so when you sit down as a creator and a, and a professional performer, when you create anything, how do you discern from the act of creation and 
I guess, discern from the act of creation and that potential pressure that might be there to create something that is uh, that you are able to perform or able to produce. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Is that question clear? Totally. And it's, you know, that, um, that's the question. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's like, I was going to say that haunts me. It doesn't haunt me, but that's, I think about it all the time, especially lately because, um, or maybe not think about it, but I feel about it all the time because I, I also just have, I think an innate propensity toward wanting to perform and wanting to produce. And, and then I, I think my conditioning enhances that. And it's also, you know, maybe a lot of your listeners can relate to that. It's, it's kind of in the water we're swimming in. Right. So yes, that question, like when, when am I writing? Because I think I should, and I want to make something that, well, you know, I, I often say when I'm teaching writing that I can remember in my younger years, more often I felt driven by this, um, you know, and it's sort of embarrassing. It feels vulnerable to admit this, but I can remember this feeling um, of like, I want to write a poem that makes me look really smart so everyone will mm. respect and love me. You know, it's like, oh gosh, that's so tender and so human. And I think a lot of us have that, whether it's like writing or how we perform in any job or in any relationship. Like I just wanted to create an artifact that I could show people so they would love me. And I can still feel that impulse. Like if I just do enough and make enough and make you feel a certain way, will you just love me? Will I be enough? So there's that experience. And you know, honestly, it's pretty, if, if we're paying attention, that experience just, it hurts. Like I can, as, as soon as I ask the question that you just asked me, like, how do I tell the difference or which one am I doing? Where am I writing from? I can feel in my body constriction and tension. And I can feel in my mind a busy restlessness so that's my cue and, and my teaching is, or what I offer, because what, it, what has worked for me is super simple, but not necessarily easy. I still feel like I'm practicing it all the time. Is that writing completely changed in my experience when I had a real meditation practice. Um, and I realize that people's ways of meditating are various. So for some, it's gardening. For some, it's dancing. For some, it's cooking. For some, it's lovemaking. And for some, it's sitting meditation. And for me, I really needed, I mean, I can relate with all of those ways, but the potent catalytic container of sitting meditation has been the medicine that I have needed to discover what it feels like to actually just sit and purely listen, not with just my ears, but with my whole being to come to become so receptive to reality that I'm simply receiving it and letting it go breath by breath, moment by moment. And there's maybe not even an eye that's doing that. So there's just listening, um, just listening happening and I realized that, that when 
I allow that deep listening to happen. Poetry <laughs> comes almost effortlessly. And those are the poems that actually nourish me. And when I share them, they seem to really nourish others. Whereas those others that are coming from a mind place or like a wound or an ego place, maybe there's like a fancy linguistic trick that someone's sort of impressed by, or maybe not, <laughs> or they're just like, mm -hmm. not that great of a poem. But that, that's kind of what I learned is like, oh gosh, okay, so the first part for me of any process is somehow accessing whether that's actively, sometimes I'll try to write my way into listening. And sometimes I need to actually practice pausing, like just suspend activity and let yourself fall in. I'm talking to myself, let yourself <laughs> fall into being, fall into listening and then allow creativity to bubble up. And I know that like, I'm often so speedy and racing around that, that takes a different gesture internally than the linear going toward. So that's what my classes are all about is like mm -hmm. my classes include meditation and include ways to kind of circumambulate into that deep listening. Um, Cause I know it's helpful for me to be held and guided there. And so I, I like to offer that to others. Mm, so beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. And I just appreciate this conversation so much. And I know that there's, um, there are just ripples of gentle creativity that are, that's going to happen as a result of people hearing this interview. So thank you so much. I would love if, yes, I would love if you would share, um, you have this upcoming online course for mothers and writing and and just tell us where we can find you online and what you do have um as far as offerings right now yeah so everything is at my website which is my name.com so it's b-r-o-o-k-e-m-c-n-a-m-a-r-a.com brooke mcnamara um and i'm not sure when this interview is coming out i ha um I have a creative practice. Is it coming out in October? October. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. So yeah, so it'll still be relevant. I have a creative practice course starting um, end of September, but people could still join in October. And that's with my creative partner, Lauren Beal. And that's um, embodied interdisciplinary creative practice. And we call it cultivate creative practice in the belly of impermanence. And so in that, we move through movement writing, meditation, conversation, um, uh, visualization. So it's really interdisciplinary. Then just for women, I have, um, yeah, Right to the Heart of Motherhood starts November, I think, 2nd. Um, and it's six weeks online writing course. That's just writing. It's just me leading it. And it's just for moms and mothering beings. Um, and then I have um, a seasonal, uh, what's called Women's Ritual of Renewal, which is seasonal half-day meditations um, for all women um, to, to rest, basically, and explore what is renewal and what is, how can we be more wholehearted in whatever we're doing 
so that we're resourcing ourselves together and alone and doing that <laughs> political act of um, not just being busy all the time, but actually tapping into a really rich source of renewal in every moment, whether we're working or resting. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Brooke, it is such a pleasure to have this conversation and to know you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor. Yes. Oh, I, I feel like I could talk to you for days and days. So um, <laughs> thank you for being here and thank you for the work you're doing in the world. Thank it's you. Very beautiful. Yes. If you enjoyed this conversation, please feel free to leave a review and rate the podcast. That is very, very helpful. And hop on over to Facebook. There is a Sacred Remembering Facebook group, and you can find us and you can join in on conversations. You can start a conversation. You can tell us what creativity sparked from this episode, and we would love to be with you. Thank you so much and enjoy your day. This is Sarah Poet of Embodied Breath, and thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I'm curious, what was your biggest takeaway? Remember that you are not alone on the sacred path, and women are rising now together. You can visit my website, sarahpoet.com, for more tools and inspiration to support your sacred remembering path. Please be sure to check the show notes, subscribe to this podcast, share with a friend, and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. I love to hear from you. Stay connected, and here's to your path of sacred remembering.